1: Today, we're speaking with Cheryl-Ann Fernandez. Cheryl-Ann is the shelter care representative for PetLink. Cheryl-Ann's been on our show before. She is episode number 68. So if you'd like to find out more about her history and her experiences in animal welfare, I recommend you go to the communitycatspodcast.com website. And in the search bar, you can put number 68, or Cheryl Ann Fernandez, and you will find her show there. Today, we are kicking off the month with microchipping madness. And we are interviewing folks that have a special love and passion and knowledge around the microchipping industry. And that's why we have her here with us today. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here for a second time. Microchipping madness. I thought it would be fun to have this theme going along during the month of March for those of Mm -hmm. us who aren't like crazy basketball people. Um,
0: (laughs) I'd be one of those. I know about cats. I don't know about basketball.
1: (laughs) And so, thinking about what about microchipping? Obviously, you work for Pet Link, but what about microchipping makes you like super excited?
0: You know, it's microchips are the animal's silent voice. It's the way that an animal has a more opportunity or a better chance to get home besides the collar tag, besides the identification visually. It is really about pet reunification for me. And, and in my history of working in animal shelters and working in animal control facilities and nonprofit organizations, it's so frustrating when you see a well-taken care of animal and they come in and they're happy and they're well-mannered and you have no idea who their parent is. You have no idea who the owner is, how to get them back to whoever they belong to because the collar was missing or maybe they were picked up in a neighborhood that they probably strayed away from. So if a microchip is implanted, it's not a 100% guarantee, I'm not gonna say that, but it certainly has a much better chance of reuniting that pet back to that parent.
1: Tell me a bit about the actual uh, microchip itself um, and how it all works. I unfortunately have a good uh, ability of calling the microchip that doohickey that you kind of stick into your cat. So I'm extremely technically oriented. So I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit more uh, than that on the, the science of microchipping.
0: Well, it's not a GPS, so let's start with that. So it doesn't send off a signal that then you can turn your phone on and go search for, for that cat or that dog. So it is not a GPS technology, as far as I know, has not gotten there yet. Basically, what a microchip is, is it's small Item, probably about the size of a grain of rice for folks who are, are not familiar with how big one is. They range, you know, within tiny little millimeters probably. And what that is, it's an RFID radio frequency technology. So if you ever hear a microchip being called RFID, that's what it stands for, radio frequency identification. And that is just meaning that there's a tiny little radio wave inside of a capacitator for me and my big fancy words um, that has an antenna that's wrapped inside of that microchip. And then, then what cover, and there's other components to it as well, but it's, it's sedentary. So it doesn't, it's inactive. It doesn't do anything. It just sits inside of a, a casing of either a polymer or a glass encasing. So inside there is stored on that little antenna is your is not your information is the pet microchip information and very often sometimes also the company that manufactures their id information as well so for example with petlink it's going to have it's going to start off with 981 cuz that's the international microchip code that we manufacture under and then sometimes in the older style you would also have the petlink microchip number show up so when you wave over the scanner to the microchip it's actually going to then wake up that antenna, for lack of a better way to say it, and then it's going to read that microchip number on that scanner. Now the due diligence is up to the person reading the number on that microchip scanner to know who to call. There are some cheat sheets out there with all of the microchip companies or most of the microchip companies listed with their manufacturing code on it and their call center or their database information. It's not always true nowadays. I've been doing microchips for this company about four years now, and I've seen, I've seen a, a surgence of microchip companies that are coming on board that don't really have their own microchip code. So they're they're sharing a micro a manufacturing code. So there's seven or eight different companies out there that all have the same manufacturing code. So how do you know who to call if you're an animal control officer? and you get one of those microchip numbers in. So we can certainly touch base on like registrations and and how to make sure that your animal that has a microchip is registered properly as well as being purchased from a reputable company. So that gets into a lot of information that is confusing to say the least. And there's been a lot of articles written about it, Uh, I know that the Chicago Tribune had done a blog about it a few years ago. And I also know that Pet, I think it's Lost Pets of Wisconsin had also done some type of a article and blogging in two or three steps about how to make sure that you're buying from a reputable organization or reputable company, as well as making sure that the database your animal's in is the proper database.
1: When you have your cat microchipped, Either via a veterinarian or through a shelter. And I don't know if you know the statistics of, you know, are more animals microchipped through shelters versus private veterinarians? You know, they've
0: had studies done on that before. I'd say a you know, even five or six years ago, or maybe eight years ago, it was probably more veterinarians. Now, in my, just in my experience, I'm seeing more, more shelters doing it because more shelters are being by law, a lot of municipalities across the country are being not forced, but by law they're being mandated, is the word I'm looking for, mandated to do microchipping. Veterinarians don't have that same um, law over them. So municipal animal control facilities have what I think a more personal vested interest in microchipping because they're in the business to pick up strays and find them either new homes or get them back to their owners, where veterinarians are pretty much dealing with the same pet owned already by their client. So, and again, we still, we have a veterinary division as well as our sheltering division. So we sell a lot of microchips to both divisions. I just think personally, and again, my background is animal sheltering, I see shelters spending more time and effort on microchipping and microchip madness for the month or check your chip day. So there's a lot of different promotions that are run around um, microchipping. And again, the same thing. Most animal control officers are equipped with scanners now, and a lot of them microchip or I'm sorry, scan in like while they're in their ACO van or right out in the field. So if they pick up a dog, they're going to scan it, and then they can get that animal home a lot quicker. I do know that back in like 2008, there was a study done by the Journal of American Veterinary Medical Association, and that actually had, I think it was like less than 2% of cats were reunited because they lacked identification. But if you actually microchip them, then it was going to be close to 60% of cats that actually would be able to get rehomed if they were picked up as a stray. Numbers on the dogs are, are much higher. I think it was like 75% of animal dogs that are microchip get home, you know, rehomed again. And that that variable of why 100% of them don't get rehomed, it could be that the microchip wasn't picked up, it could be that the when the microchip was scanned, they didn't know who to call or the microchip had old or outdated information on it. So there's many factors that lead into why a microchip isn't always 100% going to rehome that animal.
1: Does your organization not have a clear vision of what its goals and objectives are? Does it seem like everyone on your board has a different idea of what you should be doing and how to do it? Well, I can help you with a visioning workshop. I offer affordable, quick, and painless strategic planning services for a small organization. I can even offer my services virtually. Are you interested? Just reach out to me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. If you like the Community Cats Podcast and would like to help promote community cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be community cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. Lots of food for thought here, but I'm going to ask a question from a shelter's perspective. I'm sure you've talked to quite a few different shelters. What have you heard from the shelters that have decided not to offer microchipping? Why do they choose not to do that?
0: I've heard a few different. I've seen that they've done their own internal surveys on pets that come in microchipped and the return to owner rate. And, And I think the bigger picture of that, if they choose not to spend the money because they they don't see that the return to owner rate is high, some municipalities don't have, or even animal shelters or rescue organizations don't have the funding because microchips cost money. So they may not have the, the wherewithal, they may not have grant money available or municipal money available. The state of Illinois, from my understanding, requires by law an animal to be microchipped in any municipal facility. But two things are wrong with that law. One is it's an unfunded mandate. So how are these municipalities who are already on a shoestring budget going to be able to afford to purchase microchips, i.e. that's why these 900 companies are popping up and these, these lesser expensive, um, somewhat difficult chips to trace are popping up. And the second part of that is, is there was nothing in that law that requires the registration to occur. So you can microchip all you want, but if that animal doesn't have a registration attached to it, or if you can't track that box of microchips back to that, that purchasing agency, how the heck are you going to know where that dog goes home to?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the whole concept of registration, I feel like that's almost the, the missing piece of the puzzle, because I, I feel like we haven't quite figured that one out, which is how to really ensure that that registration information is always kept current it's at the due diligence of the person the owner whoever has that that chip registered to them and unfortunately it you know it's not like the electric bill when you don't pay the electric bill the lights go out and you have to call them there's no urgent action that goes into kicks into place to really make that person get that call to action to update their information Do you have any ideas on how to to rectify that challenge?
0: You know, it is, it's actually something that has, I've struggled with working for a manufacturing company as well. Every company has their own database. So whatever company you're dealing with, whether it's Home Again or Avid or 24 Pet Watch or AKC, you are going to find that their microchips go primarily into their database. It doesn't mean that there aren't shared databases out there you can put any microchip number into any database you want but how are you going to know if you're an animal control officer and you pick up a uh, microchip or pick up a dog that's got a microchip from one manufacturer in it how do you know that he's registered in another database so that is the difficult part there are no federal laws requiring one central database because remember these are all privately owned manufacturing companies and distribution companies in europe there is a a requirement for one central database to happen. Um, I don't see that happening in the United States just because of free enterprise. What has occurred is there's a search engine out there put out by AHA, which is the American Animal Hospital Association. I always get that one a little messed up, but I just remembered as www.petmicrochiplookup.org. So it's www.petmicrochiplookup.org. You can search that on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet. You're an animal control officer, you're out in the field, you scan a cat or you scan a dog. Heck, you can you can microchip horses with it now, cattle. Uh, my boyfriend's uh, turtle, tortoise is microchipped. Um, I know snakes that are microchipped. I've got wildlife folks that do their releasable wildlife. You can tap that microchip number into petmicrochiplookup.org, and it will show you the manufacturer. And sometimes it will even show you the most recent registration company. So if it's brand X but it's actually registered in brand Y, petmicrochiplookup.org will actually give you that most recent information if the microchip company participates in aha.
1: How's that for a <laughs> Really? Are you kidding me? So you're saying that there are some organizations that still don't participate in that in that database.
0: There there may be some what aha was smart enough to do is if put in, so AHA took this one particular company who was not active with them, put their manufacturing code in it, and said, "We cannot, we cannot really provide you with information, but we can tell you that this is the manufacturer of that microchip." And then it would be, "Here's their 1-800 number to call." So they, they, AHA was actually kind of smart and kind of saw that coming down the pike, so actually kind of put that safety net in, in order to make it a little bit easier for the searching organization or agency.
1: Cheryl Ann, I want to thank you so much for kicking off our March Microchipping Madness Month and providing all this great information. I feel like I've understood microchipping on the ins and outs, and I'm bound and determined to make sure we've got something in place in our community to ensure that everybody is uh, registration up to date.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. I stand right next to you on doing that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Want to learn more about grants? Register for Grants 101, a Community Cats podcast webinar on March 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Learn the ins and outs of writing grants, how to track them, and how to do follow-up reports. This is a perfect educational opportunity for a small organization looking to develop a strategic grant writing program as a fundraiser. Go to communitycatspodcast.com and click the link on the homepage to register. After registering, you'll receive a confirmation email containing information about joining the webinar. That's Grants 101, a Community Cats Podcast webinar on March 30th at 2 p.m.